I know the devil's been trying to keep you down, down, down. But there's some people in this room that say this is the last time you ever gonna see me on this level. Cause I'm about to go higher, 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 higher in my family, higher in my finances, higher in my purpose. I'm about to go. Just touch a neighbor as you're seated and say he's about, I'm about to go higher. I'm about to go. I'm about to go higher. I'm about to go higher. Give our praise team a choir and band. Wow. Pastor John just, you know, every once in a while he'll sing a note. He'll just bring you right out from the glory. You'll say, how did he do that in Jesus' name? Oh, praise God. Is there anybody ready for the word today? I feel like preaching. If you're ready for the word, you came to the right house. I've got a word. And, uh, let me just say such an honor to be on the team. You can go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of John chapter 2, the book of John chapter 2, and while you're turning, uh, like I said, I'm just so honored to play my part on the team here at Calvary. You know, I'm thankful for every staff member, our leaders, our pastors. Thank God for who they are and what they represent. You know, something unique and special is happening amongst our young people. Uh, I was at a conference this weekend. I preached Wednesday night here and then uh, to our students. And then I jumped on an airplane, preached 7,000 people in, with Perry Stone in Chattanooga. And our students were there. And God moved tremendously. And jumped right back on a plane to get back to you because there ain't no church like Calvary. That's right. And uh, let me just say, they sent me a video last night, and our, our students, and my wife was just so excited. She sent me a video, and our students, they had to carry our students to the bus last night because they were so wrecked up under the power of God. They sent me videos of students speaking in tongues all the way back to the hotel, and underneath the glory of God. Let me tell you, parents, this is not a time for you to give your child a choice about youth ministry or young adult ministry. This is the time where you got to say, if you want to win in life, you got to get to church and get up under the glory that's on this house. Amen. I'm just so thankful for all that God is doing and all that God is saying. And I believe he has a word for you today, a word for you. John chapter 2, 11 verses this morning, and God's going to speak to us. You look good. I understand what pastor says when he says he gets the pastor good-looking people. I look around, I see good-looking people everywhere. Amen. John chapter 2, 1 through 11, let's go to work. And this is what the word of the Lord would say. Now on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set six water pots of stone according to the manner of the purification of the Jews containing 20 to 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made to wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said, every man at the beginning sets out good wine. 
And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, but you, hallelujah, you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. In this What a Love campaign, God has sent me, pastor said last week that not to salt the salty, but God has sent me with a word. He told me to tell you that today he wants your water. He wants your water. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you, Lord, for what you're about to say. God, I pray, Lord, let us leave changed and encouraged. Surrender, Lord, and as overcomers, we'll give you all the glory and all the praise because you're worth it. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, say amen. Amen. Thank you so much. If there's anything I believe that is elusive to mankind and elusive and inescapable for every person in this room, that every person in this room is trying to discover their purpose. Every person in this room not only know, wants to know what to do, they want to know why they are. In fact, one of the most frustrating things that can ever happen in your life is for you to do what after what without ever knowing the why. Come on, somebody. I said one of the most frustrating things that can ever happen in your life is go from what to what to what and never know your why. Because the one thing that God wanted to give you in purpose is why. And when you have the right why, you'll know the right what. Purpose is not just what to do, it's why you are. And everybody wants to know their purpose. Some people spend years and years trying to find that one thing, that elusive thing called purpose. But this morning I could tell you that if you have not discovered your purpose, that there is only two real ingredients for you to unlock your purpose. Two real things you must know to unlock your purpose. The first thing that God gave you to unlock, blues clue number one, is that he gave you passion. The first thing to discovering your purpose is unlocking your passion. You have to know in this room, what am I passionate about? What is the thing that wakes me up in the morning? What is the thing that sometimes keeps me awake at night? What is the one thing that when I get a chance to do it, it gets me going down to the very core of who I am? What am I passionate about? In fact, let me save you some stress and some anxiety that if you are not passionate for it, you ought not do it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I said, if you don't have the passion for it, don't waste your time on it. Because the only things that will really you have real impact on are the things you are passionate for. Because when God really wants to use you, he will use your passion as the fuel of purpose, driving you into something you have been called to impact and change. Yeah, passion. Passion doesn't just drive me. The real passion will disturb you. Oh, when you really get real passion, real passion won't let you alone. Real passion won't let y'all ain't saying nothing. Real passion won't let you settle. Real passion won't let you go into complacency. Real passion won't let you get into mediocrity. When you've got real passion, real passion will push you and shove you until you get to where he's called you. In fact, I have found this out about God, that if you sit too long without being disturbed, God will disturb you. Because here's what God wants you to know. There is no such thing as being called and comfortable. Preach Pastor Josh. 
I said, there is no such thing in this room as saying you are called and being able to do it inside your comfort zone. Because the truth of the matter in this room is that when God wants to give you destiny, your destiny always lives just beyond your comfort. That God is waiting for you to leave the comfort zone so that you can have the purpose. Yeah, there's no such thing as being called and comfortable. See, this is what something in this room needs to get in your spirit. You are one uncomfortable step away from seeing the glory of God manifest in your life. You are one uncomfortable praise away from seeing the glory of God manifest in your life. So if you don't want real purpose, stay seated and stay docile and don't lift your hands. But I feel like there are some people in this room that say, I was destined for more. I was made for something greater. If that's you in this room, why don't you take 10? seconds and give God an uncomfortable praise no 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 I'm talking about the kind of praise that says I don't care what you think and what your opinion is I didn't come here for you I came here to get what he's called me yeah 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 step out the boat step out the boat and see the miracle step out the boat and walk on water step out the boat and see God do it if you believe it give him praise right now when you see me up here jumping and dancing, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm not trying to get you to like me. I'm not trying to get you to amen me. I'm dancing and praising like that because God is calling me. Let me help you. Yes, there's no such thing as being called in comfortable, but you have to know that as long as you stay in comfort, you give no room for the comforter. To move in your life that sometimes the comforter's cue is your discomfort y'all ain't saying nothing that sometimes the only way the holy spirit really begins to act like he needs to act and what wants to act is when somebody says i don't know what's about to happen i don't have it all figured out i don't know what's going to happen next but all i know is if i step out that means you got to do the rest that means you got to do the work that means you got to provide and heal and touch and deliver some of you don't even know, but the Holy Ghost is waiting on you to do something uncomfortable. You, he's waiting to, the miracles, the signs, the wonders are all contingent on your discomfort. Pastor Josh, why would you be talking about passion, purpose? Because the last ingredient that you need to unlock it all is a problem. Purpose needs passion, but it also needs a problem. Because the truth is, real purpose is not tied to platforms. It's not on microphones. Real purpose is attached to a problem that only your life can solve. The real question of purpose is not just what am I passionate for, but what problem have I been designed to solve? See, the real issue in the body of Christ is this, is that we have more problem seers than we have problem solvers. Let me give you Bible. Let me give you Bible because the truth is, if you notice, in the 12 that Jesus picked, he never picked a Pharisee. Because Pharisees are good problem seers. See, I always know I'm around a Pharisee. When you complain about it, y'all ain't saying nothing, more than you help me fix it. 
See, that's why there's got to be in some people in this room that say, I want to be more than a problem seer. I got to become a problem solver. And if you want to see the glory of God manifest in your life and in your family and in your marriage, it's not about what problem do I see, but what have I been called to solve? And when you solve it, God will show up. Passion. Purpose. A problem. Wait a second. That is the backdrop of our text. The text says there is a problem in Cana. See, in the kingdom of God, problems aren't really problems. I wish I had some people to help me. In the kingdom of God, a problem isn't a problem. In the kingdom, a problem is an opportunity. <laughs> An opportunity. See, see, it's an opportunity. See, that's why God, he does not author trouble, but he will allow trouble. And when he allows trouble, it is an opportunity for you to learn something about God that you didn't know and something about yourself that you didn't know. Let me put it in your world. Some of you didn't know the strength you had until the divorce hit. You didn't know what was going on in God in your life, and you didn't know the anointing you had until the money went funny. All of a sudden, you didn't really realize what you really had until a little bit of trouble. And God said, I used the trouble as an opportunity for you to see the glory that I wanted to release the entire time. There is a problem in Cana. But it's not really a problem, hallelujah. It is an opportunity for God to get some glory. The text says that the backdrop of the problem in John 2, in our text, says it's a wedding. But if you go back to the original book, the, the, the King James, the original language, it does not say wedding, it says marriage. Something got messed up in the translation because these people thought in the translation, they thought that the wedding was the same as a marriage. Marriage counseling 101. A marriage is not the wedding and the wedding is not the marriage. I could have saved you. I could have saved you heartache right there because there are people that spent hundreds and thousands of dollars on a 15-minute ceremony, on a 15-minute wedding, and they invested all the, wrong, all the wrong money and resources into the wedding when they should have put it in the marriage because the wedding lasts 15 minutes, but the marriage is until death do us part. And to say... That there is a marriage and a wedding is to say this, that there is a difference between ceremony and covenant. The wedding is the ceremony. The marriage is the covenant. And sadly in this room, most believers live life and have faith only according to ceremony. Let, let me... Let me put this in your world. Ceremony. See, you can have the ceremony. You could jump, dance, fall out, run in the floor, and still never have intimacy. Y'all ain't saying nothing. And still see nothing change in your life. You can love the ceremony, and you can have the ceremony, but God did not come for you just to enjoy the ceremony. He came that you would step out of ceremony and graduate your faith into covenant because real power shows up in covenant. Real glory shows up in covenant. Real anointing shows
shows up in covenant. There's got to be somebody that says, the wedding was good, but get me to the honeymoon where I can get the bedchamber of God and see his glory. Ceremony. Uh, ceremony. And I'm not going to lie this morning. Ceremony works as long as life is okay. Ceremony's good as long as life don't hit. Ceremony works as long as the bills are paid. Ain't nobody around. I'm going to preach at the drums this morning. Just go back here. and Ceremony works as long as your kids are behaving. Ceremony works as long as your husband's coming home. Ceremony works as long as all the circumstances are right. Ceremony is good, but sometimes life will hit you just to prove to you that when you got ceremony, you really didn't have much of anything at all. Because when real trouble hits, it's not ceremony that will get you through. It's not the church service that will get you through. It is your relationship with Jesus that will push you through every trial and problem and issue in your life. That's why we got to be a people of covenant. We got to be a people of intimacy because here's what ceremony does. It settles, it settles for one thing without ever gaining intimacy in another. God is not calling you to ceremony. He's calling you to intimacy. He's asking you to climb past the vows into the bedchamber where you can hear his secrets and know his will and hear his heart and know your calling. God is pushing you past church and church alone to God and God alone. Because ceremony will trick you. It will make you think that you're the source. It'll make you think that you got it all together and that this is good for you. And then life hits and you figure out ceremony wasn't much at all. See, what happened in this text is that they have gathered around ceremony and not been to covenant yet. And because of that, the text says that all of a sudden in the middle of the ceremony, life hit and the wine ran out. See, when you are tied to ceremony, it is only a matter of time before what you have runs out. See, being tied to God in covenant is what allows God to maintain the blessing in your life. You will never have lack laying with God. And the wine has run out. Nobody... Didn't nobody saw it coming. All of a sudden, three days go by, and there they are searching and trying to figure it out. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you were just trying everything you could just to figure out the problem? Trying this person and putting this on Facebook and doing that on Twitter and trying to get this kind of advice. And yet for all of your searching and for all of the advice, you didn't get the answer you needed nor the thing you desired. In our text, three days go by and somebody finally realizes we have tried everything in our own strength and it has not worked. This must be a job for. 
Let me tell somebody, you need to make up your mind right now that Jesus is not going to be a last resort. You got to make up your mind right now that before you go anywhere else and do anything and see anybody, that Jesus is going to be the first person I talk to about my problem. He won't be, oh, he's going to be at the forefront, not on the back burner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus at the front. Jesus instead of Facebook. Jesus instead of poor advice. Jesus instead of bad relationships. Jesus instead of bad friends. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Somebody said this is a job for Jesus. Let me prophesy to somebody right here. You've been looking everywhere for your answer, but God sent this preacher to you today to tell you that this ain't a job for nobody else. You are backed into a corner because this is a job for Jesus. This is a job for Jesus. Only Jesus is going to be able to handle this one. Jesus, and watch this, despite him being a last resort, they called on him. This is the beauty of this text, that despite him being a last resort, he still came. I don't know about you in this room. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just this preacher that, that I'm thankful that even when I didn't choose him first and even when I put him on the back burner and even when I didn't pray like I should have and praise like I should have and be in church like I should have, I'm thankful that when I called on his name, I'm so thankful that when I called on that wonderful name of Jesus, Jesus said, you know what? I'm not holding anything against you. The grace of God came into my life and here came Jesus right to where I was, right in my issue, right in my circumstance and Jesus showed up is there anybody thankful that Jesus showed up no 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 I'm talking to some real people with some real praise that you are about to go down and you are about to be out but Jesus showed up and changed it all yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you give the devil a black eye right now and thank Jesus that he showed up in your life. Everybody left me, but he came to me. Everybody walked away, but he came. Everybody said, that I'm going to leave you behind, but here he came. I'm thankful for the grace and the mercy of Jesus that still showed up when I was unworthy for him to come to where I was. Here came Jesus. Here came Jesus. Jesus coming to the problem. There's the problem. Jesus coming to the problem. There's the problem. Jesus coming to the problem. I want to tell somebody he's coming. He's on his way right now. I know you don't think you see him. I know you don't think he's about to show up, but he's on his way today. And Jesus comes and shows up at Cana. And this is where the text got crazy because I expected for him to show up and everything change. In the text, he comes and they still don't have wine. Have you ever come to a service and everybody else got blessed and you knew he was here? Where are my real people at? You knew he was here and you knew you were here and everybody heard the same message and everybody else got the miracle and everybody else got the blessing and you left and nothing changed 
In the text, I, I thought to myself, well, since he's there, everything should start moving. But nothing changed. I thought they needed him bad enough. The need was great enough. Until you realize God gives us a clue about how he does the miracle. Because when he walks through the door, his presence doesn't change it. Watch this. Until somebody who knew him well enough... They needed him bad enough, but his mama knew him well enough. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that God will do some stuff for his kids that he won't do for just anybody else. God will do some stuff for his children he won't just do for anybody else in the world. That when you are a kid and a child of the king, that God will do some stuff for you just because of who you are to him. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. He showed up. Then all of a sudden, mom confronts him and watches. It's almost like he doesn't want to do it. She comes to the door, and he says, woman, time out. Don't ever call your mama woman. Because I had one of the mamas that wouldn't just spank me. She would beat me. My mom would beat me according to every syllable in the sentence. I thought I told you not to do that anymore. You should. I said, how long is this sentence, Lord? Let this sentence. This is a run-on sentence, Lord. This is a run-on. This ain't even grammatically correct right now. He called her woman. It almost seems like he doesn't want to do the miracle. But she says, you have to do the miracle. I can place a demand on you. Oh, hallelujah. Because of how well I know you. See, that's what can happen with real believers. We don't have to wait on God to do it. We can make up our minds in this room that we will not be denied. That we didn't come in this room not to get it. We didn't come in this room for God not to show up. But since you're here and I'm here and I know you like that, do it for me, Jesus. In fact, why don't you just touch three people and say, he's about to do it. He's about to do it. He's about to do it. I'm about to put a demand on him, and he has to respond because of how well I know him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, you thought you had to get in a prayer line and sow a seed, and you thought you had to call a TV evangelist. No, 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 baby. Let me tell you how this works. When you got real intimacy and you know him well enough, you can show up right here on the front row and say, you know what? I love you like that. I know you like that. Now you got to perform like that. So body be healed, mind be renewed, life be changed, marriage be restored. Let it change now, God. Hallelujah. Be seated. All of a sudden, watch this. Watch the confidence. Watch the confidence. There is no more conversation between the two once she places a demand on him. God is not trying, Jesus is not trying to bargain now. He said, since she knows me like that, I don't, I don't, maybe it might not have been a part of my sovereign will, 
but now I got to act on behalf. And she looks over at the servants, not even at Jesus. And she says, whatever he tells you to do. Did you hear me in it? Whatever he says to do, because I know he's going to do it. Uh, there ain't no question anymore. I, I'm not having any more faith issues and worry issues and anxiety issues. Whatever he tells you to do, I have already seen it done in my spirit before I have ever seen it done in my life. It is finished. Why don't you give God a praise right now if you know it's already done in your life, if you know he's already finished it for you? Somebody give him glory right now. I said it's finished. I said it's finished. I said that thing is finished. Your body's about to be healed. Your mind's about to change. Finances are coming. God is about to bless you. It's already finished. It's already finished. She looks at him and says, whatever he says to do, do it. See, that's where you got to get to. You got to get to the place where however he wants to do it, you're okay with it. The thing that blocks the miracle the most in your life is when you expect God to do it according to your conditions. See, but when you get desperate enough, you won't care how he does it. See, that's why God doesn't do it sometimes. Because he will take you to a place of desperation. Because desperation knows no decency. And when you get to the place where there is no decency, it's not my will be done. <laughs> it's your will be done. And when you tell him your will be done, really what you're saying is, however you want to do it, do it. However you want to see it happen, make it happen. I'm all right with it this time. I don't need a formula. I just need a miracle. And the stage is set in the text. After this conversation with this problem and this opportunity and his, the stage is set. No, 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 no. Not for a miracle, but for obedience. Because in between the instruction and the miracle, there is always an opportunity to obey. My real question to you is, have you obeyed? enough to see the miracle see how quiet it just got in this room everybody's all shouting when i was talking about the blessing and it's done and it's finished and then god tells you to do something and you say well lord lord i want it but i want it like i want it i want you to make me look good doing it i want to be y'all ain't saying nothing i want to be popular while i'm doing it i want to be have friends you know i want it i want and god is saying just obey me would you obey if you knew the next step of obedience would unlock your miracle? Even if it was a tough thing, a hard thing, a faith thing, can you still obey when it doesn't make sense to your spirit? And she says, whatever he says to do, do it. And they obeyed. And watch this. This is what I came for. I'm done. Is that all of a sudden, like a movie, the scene shifts. Almost like we cut away to a different portion. 
because the text no longer is on the conversation between Jesus, Mary, and the servants. All of a sudden, the gaze of the Savior is no longer on them, but the gaze of the text is on something else in the room that everybody forgot about and everybody didn't think anything of. In the room the entire time, y'all ain't saying nothing. In the room the entire time and never got an ounce of attention. Nobody even knew it was there. But the gaze of our Savior in this text is not on the lofty and not on the popular. Because up until this moment, you have heard the message of the miracle. But now God is about to give us the method of the miracle. See, that's the problem in the body of Christ right now, is everybody's getting prophetic words about what? And the reason we don't see them is because it's what, 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 and God is trying to also tell us how, how, how he wants to make it happen. In this text, we are not privy just to what he's doing. We are privy to how he wants to do it. Because the gaze of Jesus in this text is not on the popular thing. It's not on the grape tree and the vineyard. The gaze for this miracle is on a water pot over in the corner. The pot that everybody turned their eyes away from. The thing that everybody said shouldn't be used and couldn't be used and why would they ever use that? The Bible says they're set six. Six is the number of man because God is trying to tell us that he wants to use a man. That to do most miracles, he's not looking for something. He's looking for somebody. I am looking for a vessel. Oh, I am looking for somebody. And here's the thing. People may have passed you by and people might have said you're not worthy and your past might say you're disqualified. But I hear the Holy Ghost in my ear saying the gaze of the Savior is not on the popular or the lofty, but on the downtrodden and the forgotten to do the miracle. Six water pots of stone not gold, not jeweled, not bedazzled. These water pots were ordinary and regular. So if in this room you are simply regular and ordinary and natural, you have to know you are a prime candidate to be used by God to do something great in this earth. Because when God wants to do supernatural, he doesn't look for super. And when he does extraordinary, he's not looking for extra. He wants to find somebody natural and somebody ordinary and wants to put his super and his extra on their life. He said, everybody else wouldn't have picked you. Everybody else would have walked away from you. You didn't look like you could do the job. You didn't look like you were worthy. But nevertheless, I have chosen you for the job. 
six water pots of stone according to the manner of the purification of the Jews. Hear me. This just wasn't an empty water vessel. This was a water vessel full of dirty water. Because when everybody came in the room, they would use these water pots to put their feet and their hands in. This was dirty water. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you thought that the only destiny you had was to be somebody else's dirty water? Have you ever thought, God, is it your will that I just be in trouble all the time and be in a mess all the time and be in other people's drama all the time? And is it, is it your will to feel unworthy and to feel used and abused by people? Is it your will? And he says to the thing everybody walked away from, hallelujah, everything to the thing everybody forgot about, he says, take that vessel, hallelujah. He said, and I want that water. Wait a second. I want that water. When I saw that in the text, it confused me because the text said they ran out of wine. They ran out of wine, and he is asking for water. Oh. Because what they didn't understand is that their wine oh, is in your water. Oh, are you hearing me? That what they need is in what you have. That's the reason why pastor is pushing us to reach 15,000 people. And you're saying 15,000 is a big number because you are looking at what they need. And God is saying, no, 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 you are looking at the need. I am looking at what you have because what you have, oh, because what you have is enough to do the miracle. What you have is enough to see the change. What you have is enough to change the party. What you have is the miracle. And God is asking you not for what you don't have. Oh, he's asking you for that dirty, nasty, no good water that everybody said would never be used and could never touch a life and can never be drank and can never be serve any type of purpose. God is saying, yes, yes, I want your water because in your water is their wine. And they poured, I feel the anointing of God in this room. I'm speaking life into somebody right now who thought your best days were behind you and you thought the best ministry was behind you and you thought the change that you were you thought it was dead and gone and every dream was finished but I hear the Holy Ghost saying you ain't seen nothing yet this was a setup and if I can get your water I'm about to do a miracle for this city that this city has never seen before and when he got the water the text says that all of a sudden it's almost instantaneous there was a change in one moment of giving God your water your time your talent your treasure God knows how to shift everything with your surrender 
Let me tell you where your next shift is coming from. Not a prayer line. Not a sown seed. Your next shift is coming out of your surrender. And in one moment, he took water and he changed it into wine. From the inside out, he changed it and moved it to the point then where he said, now it's time to draw it out. See, what God will do is he will put somebody over top of you in the faith that's able to look down into your life and know the right time to draw it out of you. That's why you got to be submitted inside of your surrender. Because when you're submitted inside of your surrender, you are giving the servant over top of you the ability to look down inside of you and say, you weren't ready then, you weren't ready then, but guess what? You're ready right now. You're ready right now. Draw some out now. Let me tell you what the Lord told me. God has prophetically spoken to our pastor about this Easter season. And no, it wasn't for a couple years ago. And no, it wasn't for a couple months ago but God is saying to this body right now is the right time for this church to change this city from the inside out our schools are about to change our families are about to change God is about to do it and all he needs is your water stand to your feet all across this room He changed it and then said, draw it out. By the way, let me just go ahead and say this. The only two people besides Jesus beyond Mary in this text are servants and vessels. Because if you want a miracle, you got to be a servant or a vessel. Because the way to revival is not up. The way to revival is down as a servant or a vessel. And he took the water that was made, the wine that was made from the water. And he took it to the head of the person of the whole entire wedding. And he said, here it is. And watch this. He took a sip. And when he took a sip, he said, hold on. Wait a second. This ain't right. You broke the rules. Because the rules say you should have brought me the best stuff first. But he says, I just tasted something I ain't never tasted before. You have saved the best for last. Let me tell you, there have been great moves of God and great revivals in this nation that have shook entire cities and shook entire states. But God told me to tell you that the best is saved for last. That the fact that you are not dead in this room is a testament that God is about to use you as the best for last. And he tasted it. I'm done. He tasted it. See, they're about to touch you and taste him. When you give him your water, he will turn it into something that tastes like him. Joy that tastes like him and peace that tastes like him and love that tastes like him. He'll turn it. And he said, I kept it. You have kept the good wine until now this is it i saw the phrase good wine and i said wait a second what makes good wine different than wine 
And I called up a professor of mine at the, from the University of Maryland named Dr. Chaim Lappin, Jewish studies. He said, I said, Doctor, what is, what is the difference between wine and good wine? And he told me that good wine has little to no water. in it see what God is trying to do is get you to a place where it's less of you and more of him he's trying to get you to a place where he says if you'll give me your water I must decrease so he can increase and when God gets your water he's not just going to turn it into some wine or wine he said I'm about to turn you into all of me with all my glory and power and the text finishes by saying that this beginning of miracles Jesus did most people preach this text and they say this was his first miracle but you didn't read the text right because this is not his first miracle the text said this beginning of miracles because what Jesus was trying to communicate is for every miracle I ever do from here on out I will always take somebody's water I will always take somebody's water. I will always take what somebody already possesses. I will always take the low, the dark, and the lonely. I will always take the average and the ordinary. And I will take what they have for every miracle. And I will use what they have to produce what the world needs. And change will come. Easter is just weeks away. We're in this What a Love campaign. Last week, you heard about being salt. But God has sent me today to tell you he is more than ready to do the miracle in this city. But there's one final thing he needs. He wants your water. If you're in this room right now and you say, God... See, this message ain't, ain't, this was not built to make you run, dance, and shout. Because I'm tired of running and dancing and shouting and falling out and nothing changing. I'm tired of picking up the news reports and not seeing, and seeing all these bad reports and these terrible stories. And we got thousands of, Jesus flipped the world with 12. What are we doing? Is it possible that maybe we're not seeing what God said because we're not surrendering our water? He's not asking you for what you don't have. He's simply saying, surrender everything you do and watch me do the work. Pastor Josh, I heard what you said and I want to surrender my water, my life, my calling, my abilities, my talents for this what a love campaign and for I'm ready for him to use me on another level I don't want to wait till Easter I want it to start today if you say God you can have my water I want you to slip up both hands to heaven right now both hands to heaven I feel the anointing of God and all you got to say in this room all you got to say is God you can have it all you can have it all you can have it all come on with those hands lifted open up your mouth and begin to tell him you can have it you can have it you can have it come on all across this room he wants your water. Jesus, I owe you everything. 
want you to take the last 60 seconds of this service and I don't know your purpose and I don't know the problem your life has been called to fix but I do know he's waiting on your water I want you to take the last 60 seconds no matter who you who you were and what your past said and what kind of vessel you were and I want you just to say God use me this week are you ready just slip your hands up right now and surrender and I want you to take 60 seconds right now come on and all across this room open up your mouth and just begin to surrender surrender and begin to ask God use me this week to infect somebody and to, to change somebody's life use me Lord to implant your knowledge Lord and to give them great come on open up your mouth in this room you got 45 seconds who have you been called to reach what have you been called to change he wants your water 30 seconds for your neighbors 30 seconds for your unsaved loved ones 25 seconds somebody pray in this room God's about to use your life fifteen seconds for the loss of Ormond Beach for the loss of Daytona Beach he's asking for our water open up your mouth we sing and one last time we declare time with everything you've got we just say it you can have our water we sing say pastor josh i'm not where i need to be with the lord when you were talking about the vessel that was me dirt in my life not living for god not understanding that he still wanted me and died for me and gave his life you say pastor josh since you're praying pray for me this week i need to be in best relation the best relationship with god i can be in i need to give my heart to god on the count of three right there where you are just slip your hand up one two three i need to give my life to jesus today i need to rededicate my life hands are going up Hands are going up. Just slip your hand up. Slip your hand up. Slip your hand up. Just a second longer. Praise God for these hands. Thank God for these hands. I want every person to put your hand on your heart. To the people that raise their hands, you're about to give God not just your water, but your life. Giving Jesus your life is the best thing you can do. It's the best. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. He loves you. And he wants you. Will you repeat this prayer with me? Would you say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I'm sorry for my sin. And I ask you to forgive me. I ask you now to take my water and change me from the inside out. And I'll worship you and live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.
Come on, put your hands together. Pastor John is about to pray for you. But why don't you just put your hand on somebody's shoulder. Did anybody get anything from this word today? He wants your water. I'm about to be in the back, and if you're new and it's your first time, I want to meet you. But what a great day in the house of the Lord. He wants your water. Don't miss Wednesday night. Make sure you get your What a Love packet and be a part of the outreaches. I just believe if we're salt and we give him our water, we're going to change this city in the name of Jesus. Pastor John, would you come pray for us? Amen. Church is so good what God's doing, isn't it? How many of you are thankful for that word today? I see a lot of you are wearing your buttons today, and that's awesome. Don't forget to be salt and light. Don't let this end here. Let this be the beginning of something new. Let's go out into the community and show people the light that Jesus showed us and be the change and hope that this world needs. There's darkness out there, but you have light in you. So go and shine in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for what you spoke to our hearts, Lord. Let this be the beginning. God, thank you that you lit a fire in our hearts today. I pray, God, that it would never burn out, God, but that we would continue to be salt and light, to be hope, Lord, and to be a light in the darkness, what you've called us to be, that we would reach the lost, Lord, and they would come into your kingdom and that they would never be the same again. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. 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 We love you, church. Don't forget, be here Wednesday night. Pastor has an incredible word for you. And uh, have a phenomenal week in the Lord. Oh, yeah, you can have it all.